Matthew Tack from collegefootballnews.com, and this is the College Football News Podcast, and today I'm diving into the 2022 NFL Draft with the quarterbacks. I'm going to break down and bust out the top 10 quarterback prospects in this draft from the college perspective with what's good, what's not so good, and where each of them will probably go. But first, there needs to be a little bit of context thrown in here before we get going. To describe this year's crop of quarterbacks, especially compared to last year, they're fine, whatever. They're just not that great. There's nothing there that's making anybody go crazy over this group of quarterbacks. But as crazy as this sounds, that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Start on the negative side here. This isn't, again, this isn't last year's class. There isn't a Trevor Lawrence, and I'd argue there isn't even a Davis Mills. Uh, I get yelled at for this, but I really do think he's better than anyone in this class if he gets some help around him. He was my trying to be smarter than everyone in the room prospect. They fell deep smit with last year, but that's. But I digress. I was never a big fan of Zach Wilson at the two, but okay, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields. That was last year's class and throwing Mills too, and this one ain't that. So outside of my top guy in this year's group, which we will get to in a moment, there's no one in this bunch who's going to wow anyone into thinking they're getting a potential franchise maker. But there is positives in all this. Actually, there are a few. The, the quarterback value in this is amazing, and that's there's literally nothing more valuable in sports than a good starting quarterback on a rookie contract. And if you get one after the first round, that's found gold. Then there's the bigger picture part of the position. Do you want to win a Super Bowl? If you do, then don't waste your time in the first round or even with this draft when there are other better prospects at other positions. And this class allows you to do that. The odds of coming up with a guy at any position who starts for you in any meaningful way for at least three years are great if you're drafting in the first round. That doesn't mean the guy's going to be a Pro Bowl star or anything like that. That just turns out to be random luck. Now, the odds of coming up with a meaningful starter at any position in the second round are pretty good. Those odds start to drop off the map in the third. And despite what everyone's going to try to tell you and sell you over the next few weeks and days, the Tom Brady's and the Terrell Davises in draft history, that's just that's crazy talk. It just doesn't happen. Because from the fourth round on, it's totally dumb luck to find a meaningful player. Trust me on this. I will dive into the metrics on this in a later podcast. And I bring all this up now for one reason. All those stats, all those metrics, all those chances that that teams have to take on quarterbacks that doesn't that don't necessarily work out and prospects that don't necessarily work that work out. It's a whole other animal when it comes to quarterbacks. The numbers just don't work, at least for what you want them to do. If you draft a random defensive tackle or wide receiver in the first round, that's great. He's part of a puzzle. You use several of them, and if the guy busts, it's just no big whoop. It's not the end of the world. And again, according to the numbers, more often than not, that first-round pick is, at worst, a decent starter at just about any position but quarterback. Now, if you draft a quarterback... That's your franchise. That's your direction. The odds might not be great to find a good one after the first round. Actually, they're awful. But if you take one later and it doesn't work, okay, whatever. Flush him. Get another one. It's not a big deal. If you find a Russell Wilson in the third or a Lamar Jackson at the number 32 overall or a Derek Carr in the second round, that's just that, that's Christmas. That's everything. That is everything you want as an NFL general manager. Because again, rookie NFL contracts mean 
everything compared to all the money that's being thrown around at the Matt Ryans and Carson Wentz's and even the Andy Dalton's of the world. So forget it, though. If you're gonna, if you need a quarterback, the odds of finding a starter after the first round really are unbelievably awful. But okay, give it a shot in the third round or fourth round. Again, I can't stress this enough. More often than not, at any position, you're not going to find any guy who's going to do anything meaningful for you unless you dumb luck into it. So you might as well take a quarterback after the second round because if you hit on it again, boom. So then, what do you do in this modern day of the NFL? Well, how do you what do you do for quarterbacks? Well, start with this: read the room. From Matt Stafford to Tom Brady to Drew Brees to even guys like Trent Dilfer, even in the abstract to Brett Favre to Kurt Warner to Peyton Manning when he went with the Broncos to uh, guys like you know Jeff Hostetler and Brad Johnson who weren't big picks and stepped their games up to Nick freaking Foles. You go the free agent route or you make sure the rest of your team is just that good that the quarterback has to be okay. All those guys that men- I just mentioned, they won Super Bowls, but not for the teams that drafted them. So to take this even further, no quarterback not named Manning has been selected before the 10th pick in the NFL draft and won a Super Bowl for the team that drafted him since Troy Aikman was selected by the Cowboys in 1989. And even then, as good as he was, he was a rock star because the rest of those Super Bowl-winning Dallas teams were just so stupid talented. They were, those were just amazing around him, but he was obviously great too. So yeah, you're not going to find a, a good starter after the first round. If you do, it's luck. And if you miss on a first rounder, that almost sets you sets back your franchise for at least three years, if not longer. To dive even further here, take a look at the first round quarterbacks selected over the last 40 years. I will spare you the full list of names of guys like Patrick Ramsey and Cade McNown and Jake Locker and Achilles Smith and Jim Druckenmiller and on and on and on with guy after guy who was supposed to change around a team and just did nothing and worse yet did less than nothing and set the franchise back a while. Out of the close to 100 quarterbacks selected in the first round since the historic 1983 NFL draft full of quarterbacks, just eight guys, eight, won a Super Bowl for the teams that drafted him. Again, Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl for the Rams. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl for the Ravens. And I'm not counting Carson Wentz on this for the Eagles. That means Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Troy Aikman, John Elway, and yeah, I'll throw in Eli Manning technically, even though he was technically drafted by the Chargers, but draft day trade to the Giants. All right, he he counts. Those guys are the only quarterbacks who drafted in the first round who won a Super Bowl for the teams that drafted them over the last 40 years. I get it, though. If you have a Trevor Lawrence there for the taking, you do it. And, of course, you'd love to have Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson right now as your quarterback. But the numbers when it comes to drafted quarterbacks winning Super Bowls are just, again, crazy bad. If you have about an 8% chance that your quarterback you draft in the first round is going to hold up the Lombardi trophy for your team, then what do you do? You still got to take quarterback somewhere. You still got to give it a shot. You still got to hope that you find that needle in the haystack, the one guy who is going to be, again, that Russell Wilson, that Derek Carr, the starter for you, who allows your salary cap to go to other prospects and other positions. So I rant on all of that to turn this into a positive for this year's crop of quarterbacks. Just take them later. Hope to get good value. If one of them rises up and produces, great. 
and go ahead, spend your first round pick or your early first rounder on a fantastic prospect in another position. This is a great draft for edge rushers and offensive tackles and defensive tackles, the infrastructure of your team. How do teams win Super Bowls? They win them with the Aaron Donalds of the world. They win them with the defensive fronts of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from two years ago. They win them with the all-around talent and the playmakers and the weapons to go along with the Patrick Mahomes like they did with the Kansas City Chiefs. Build up the rest of your team and then you will find your quarterback who will end up working if your goal is to win a Super Bowl. However, then if you can do that, then you get your quarterback through free agency and winning Super Bowls ain't cheap, but that's what you have to do. But this draft, Carolina needs a quarterback. So does Pittsburgh, so does Atlanta, Seattle, Washington, Indianapolis, and yeah, Tampa Bay too once TB12 decides that it's over after this year. All those teams need to at least find a quarterback to see what they got to invest and see if there's anything there to develop. So with that said, after I just whizzed all over the idea of drafting a quarterback, here are my top 10 quarterback prospects for the 2022 NFL Draft. And I'll try to fly through these guys as quickly as possible. Start with number 10, Jack Cohn out of Notre Dame. He's 6'3", 218 pounds. He's got the size, the poise, and the ability to read the field. And he's got NFL starting upside with enough good skills to get a long look. He's been around long enough to know what he's doing. He was well-coached. He doesn't get caught up in bad plays. And this year he showed with the Irish, he can come through on key drives, and he can be ready to step in whenever he's needed. The problem is... He has the NFL ability to play in the league, but he doesn't do anything at a high level. There's no mobility there. His arm is just okay. And he could still use a little more time, even with his experience with the Irish and with Wisconsin. So he's rock solid. He fits the mold of a good backup quarterback. He'll make a ton of money hanging around the league for the next 10 years. And you could probably get him. My projection is roughly around the sixth round. My number nine guy, Dustin Crum out of Kent State. Smallish quarterback, he's 6'1", 210 pounds, and he's not going to be for everyone. He's an interesting baller. He played in a high-octane, super-fast attack uh, with Kent State that made him uh, come up with plays on the move. He's, not again, not for everyone, but if you want to work in an up-tempo attack, he's a great decision-maker. Here you go. He'd actually be kind of good for the New Orleans Saints. He's kind of what they wanted last year with Ian Book. Uh, They're going to change things up a little bit, and that's a guy that they can take much later, see if he works out. The not-so-good on him, though, the size and the all-around tools just aren't there. He's not a, a power picture. He doesn't have a big arm. He's not going to do that much in the, in the pocket, and he's just not that fast. He's kind of more slippery than anything else. He's got to be in a timing-based attack that, rely, that, that does not really rely on the deep ball. It depends on how creative some offensive coordinator is going to want to get with him, but Crum can be good enough to step in and operate in a hurry for some roster as an intriguing backup. He'll stick on a roster somewhere. You can probably get him as a free agent, but I still like him better than Jack Cohn. That's my number nine guy, Dustin Crum out of Kent State. Number eight, for you guys who go into deep cuts with the SEC, here's a name for you, Cole Kelly out of South East Louisiana. He started out with Arkansas, a 6'7", 250-ish pound quarterback, big guy, huge arm, and you know what you're getting with him. Very big, very strong. He's a bomber. He's going to fit just about everyone just because he's going to push the ball down the field. The arm strength on him is unquestioned, and he's used to making big plays without any sort of a problem just because that arm. And he could also kind of be a, a really good kind of quirky specialist with his size. He could be the guy who gets every fourth down and one and is great around the goal line. 
The problem with him, though, is he's just not a mechanical dream. He's got a lot of work to do on his game. He's big, but he doesn't really use his size or his height always to his advantage. He can get away with it, and he was able to get away with that at the FCS level. And the production was great, but he's going to need time to throw, and he's going to have to use his arm to get out of jams. There's enough here to work with. He might be a little bit of a diamond in the rough, but the size, the passing ability, and the production, even at the FCS level, they're way too good to not give him an honest shot as a backup, at least early on. There's a high ceiling as a potential bomber for a deep shot offense. He'll be around very late in the fifth, maybe in the sixth round. I think he's probably going to go in the sixth round again. Chance worth taking. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, whatever. It's a sixth rounder. My number seventh guy is a guy who everyone who covers college football would love to see produce and be great. And that's Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky. He's small. He's six feet tall, about 215 pounds. But if you're throwing for almost 6,000 yards with 62 touchdowns in a season like you did last year with the Hilltoppers, you could probably do something right. Of course, it was the scheme. He started out Houston Baptist, and then Western Kentucky, which had no offense whatsoever, decided to bring along Zappi, uh, the offensive coordinator, uh, their top receivers, and all of a sudden they went from 0 to 60 offensively and were an amazing. He, Zappi's a passer's passer. He's just going to throw it all day long. He doesn't have a special arm, but... Again, he just kind of makes plays with with his eyes. He makes the great read, and he's great at throwing guys open. The problem, though, there just aren't any NFL measurables here. He's too small. He's too slow. He doesn't have a big-time gun, and he's just not going to provide the mobility he you need for a guy of that size. But in the right scheme and behind the right line that gives him time, he could be something interesting, and a coaching staff is going to love him because at the very, very worst, as an, an emergency backup quarterback or a practice squad guy, he's going to be the guy that slings it all over the yard and uh, is just great in every sort of practice to prepare you for for any sort of quarterback who can uh, make all the throws, at least in practice. Now, this isn't a knock. Here's the positive when it comes to him. I kind of see him as another Case Keenum type. And remember, Keenum, for all his flaws, he's hung around the league and made a lot of money, and he took the Minnesota Vikings to an NFC Championship game. He could fill a role as a capable and ready backup. Then when he gets a shot, he lights it up for three games or six and keeps your, your season alive just because he's able to throw as well as he does. He will earn a starting look, maybe, but again, he just doesn't have the top-shelf NFL quarterback parts. Uh, but the league has a place for guys who can throw like he does. I think he slides on to the fifth round, and I think someone takes him about then just because they want to see what he can do with that production. So my number seven guy, Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky. My number six guy... He's been flying up the charts. Everyone loves him. Why? Because they saw him work out and think, oh, wow, that guy looks like an NFL quarterback. It's Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati. And they're right. He looks the party. 6'3", 211 pounds. And if you can be patient and if you're willing to put in the work to see what might come out on the other side, the all-around tools and the upside are as good as any quarterback in the draft. He's got that combination of mobility and experience and the size that's going to make an NFL coordinator, any coordinator worth this all, want to take a shot and see what they can do with him. He has seen it all. He's come through in tough situations. He's progressed by leaps and bounds in his mechanics and timing since he started out with the Bearcats. There's no questioning his leadership or his personality. He's not going to be a first-round pick, maybe. He might go to Detroit, though, at the 32nd overall pick in the first round. And that's more than fine. He's not going to big-time anyone. He's just going to come in and start working. The problem with him is... 
you can look at the tools and they're great, but the pure passing skills are just okay. That's been fine for Josh Allen when you saw him and his, his accuracy wasn't that great coming into the league, but Josh Allen just had otherworldly skills. And there's certainly other quarterbacks who might not be quite as accurate as you might like. And that's going to be Ritter. You know, there's no problem reading his progressions or finding his guy, but he's got to go quicker. He's just not quite fast enough in his reads and his mobility has been able to get him out of a lot of jams. He's got the skills, but until it clicks a few, a little bit faster, he's still a projection. And then there's the problem here that I think is being way overlooked by everyone who's fallen in love with him over the last few days. He didn't really do it against the top player, top teams out there. He's against the top big boys. He didn't get to 60% passing against Alabama, Notre Dame, or Indiana last year. Yeah, he beat the, his team beat the Hoosiers. They beat the Fighting Irish. Uh, but he wasn't quite accurate enough against those top teams. Now, he was 60% or better against just about everyone in the group of five, but he didn't do it against UCF last year. He's a high-reward, low-risk guy that you can probably get mid-range in the second round, even though someone's going to think about him in the first round. He's going to work his way into becoming a player. He's going to do all the right things. But I just don't think he's going to be that high-end starter who can carry an NFL team to the Super Bowl. I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's great. I just don't think he's going to be that guy and certainly not worthy of taking him in the first round. I think he's going to go in the second round. But again, watch out. Someone like Detroit at the end of the first round or someone might try to slide up to get him after the first couple of quarterbacks go off the board. Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. If he's number six, I get it if you want to disagree and you're starting to fall in love with all his tools and abilities because my number five guy is my pet project. I will admit Ritter's probably a better prospect than this guy, but I like him. Carson Strong in Nevada, 6'3", 226 pounds. You know what you're getting. All arm, all arm. There's nothing else into his game. Now, if you want him to run a little bit, that's not going to be happening because there's just no mobility whatsoever. But if you want a guy who can just kind of sit back in the pocket and throw 50 times or more every once in a while, that's going to be him. Now, the, the lack of a mobility is being a little bit overplayed. He's not exactly a sitting duck, but he does need time. He is a power thrower who is going to push, push the ball all over the field. He throws a great ball, one of the best arms in the draft. He can, he's got every throw in the bag. He'll fire it wherever you need him to. And he's got the, the range, he's got the vision, and he's got the timing down with what he was able to do with the Wolfpack over the last few years. There's a great catchability to his passes. Throws a wonderful deep ball. The touch on his mid-range timing throws are all there. He just he just has the NFL passing skills that you need. However, you got to have a running back for him to hand off to. You need an offensive line that gives him at least two and a half, three, four seconds to throw. And you need a good tight end uh, to, to work with as an outlet target for him. The perfect scenario for him, I would see... If Pittsburgh can beef up its offensive line and get those tackles a little bit better, obviously that was a problem last year with the offensive line. If they improve that, I think if they go with him the second, maybe the third round, that's an option for them because they basically had the immobile quarterback over the last few years in Ben Roethlisberger. Now, Strong obviously has a long way to go before he becomes a Hall of Fame caliber prospect or quarterback. But he's one of those guys who fits if everything else is around him. Snap ball, the receiver runs route, quarterback throws receiver, receiver the ball. That's going to be Carson Strong. And in this mediocre draft class, he might be a nice idea. Someone's going to take him after the second round. I think he goes in the third round. Carson Strong out of Nevada. Which leads me into my number four guy. 
Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. The 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 looks and the prospects and the analysis on this guy is just all over the map. I know people, I know a couple scouting types who are a lot smarter than I am, who honestly think he's the best quarterback in this draft and think he'd be perfect for Carolina at the eight and that someone's going to want to move up to get him and that he is the the baller's baller that just fits the modern NFL. I know a couple other guys are like, eh, whatever, don't want him. So the, again, the range on where you think Matt Corral is going, will go and what he's going to be in this draft, again, is everywhere. I think he fits. I he's not I don't think he's going to be the greatest quarterback ever by any means, but he fits what NFL teams are going to want in terms of getting the ball quickly, accurately in rhythm. He was coached really well by Lane Kiffin. He's basically a pro quarterbacks coach in college. That's why all the quarterbacks are flocking to him. He's got some great ones there at Ole Miss coming up for, for this year. The timing is great for Corral. The field vision is fantastic on that first read, and he's good, good enough on the move to make throws out of the pocket and get the yards down the field when he has to take off. The problem, though, is his mobility because for good and for bad, he's tough as nails. I mean, he's just going to take shots, and he, he'll take chances down with his downfield passes, and he's going to take off to try to make the big plays. And the problem is he takes big shots. He's going to get popped way too much, and he'll play for, through the injury, and you saw what happened in the bowl game. He gave it a go when he probably should have sat out and healed his uh, injured ankle, but he wanted to give it a go for the team. That's, a, that's his leadership qualities. Again, admirable. Totally positive on that level, but also sort of should have probably saved him uh, because when he wasn't able to go, they practiced with him, and once he got out, Ole Miss had absolutely nothing, and they got just destroyed and pantsed from then on. But uh, but that's kind of the guy he is. He's going to be your leader. He's going to be the fiery guy who's going to take charge and make that team his. But he's also good enough to to be good for your timing offense. He's not going to be quite, I think, what you want because he's not 6'5 and 240. He's not Josh Allen. He's not going to be the guy who's going to run and be able to just pop right back up again. He's going to get knocked around way too much. And unlike other top quarterbacks in this draft, that, again, that mobility is going to actually be more than a negative, but it's good that he can run from time to time. His game's going to be, out, be about rhythm, accuracy, and getting the balls to the guys on the move, but his game's going to need a little bit of a tweak. You know, he offers something a little bit different than other top quarterbacks in this draft, and he is the instant fit for anyone who wants to do a lot of quick-hitting, first-read tempo throws. Now, he, not that he can't make the big downfield plays. He's got the accuracy and ability, but... Uh, but that lack of bulk and the durability questions, and again, I think the timing-based offense is going to be what he needs, even though, again, he does fit anybody who wants to tweak their style to what he does. He's good. I just don't think he's a superstar who deserves to be in the first round. He's probably going to go in the first round. If if he doesn't go earlier, like in the 20s or so, if New Orleans with its couple of picks doesn't uh, decide to go with him or if someone else doesn't decide to move up, Detroit at the 32 might be where he goes. I kind of think he slides just out of the first round because I'm starting to think Desmond Ritter is the guy who slides up in the late first round. I'm going to project him very sheepishly into the second round. But again, I know people who swear that this guy's a top 15 pick. So do not be shocked wherever Matt Corral goes. That's my number four guy. I am going a little, I'm kind of shocked on my number three here at just how much 
people just don't like him. Because last year at this time, my number three guy, Sam Howell out of North Carolina, was being hailed as a possible number one overall draft pick because of his skills, because of his upside, because of the way many envisioned him possibly progressing. The problem was he didn't have a great year last year in North Carolina, didn't have that great a year, and everyone sort of soured on him. It's one of those things about the NFL draft and the scouting types who do this sort of thing. Every once in a while, they find a guy and they just make excuses for him and they only seem to look at the positives and they overlook some other warts that might be there and just try to make that guy work. For whatever reason, Sam Howell has turned into the opposite of that. He is the prospect is half empty guy in this draft and he is just being hammered by just about everyone's out there everyone who's out there and they're missing some really basics here he's getting dinged again because he and North Carolina just weren't as good as they thought they'd everyone thought they'd be last year but it's as if the 2021 season has eliminated all the positives from Howell's first go around with the Tar Heels. The guy's a baller. I mean, he doesn't look like he should be all that agile, but he can move. He's got the arm and he's got the attitude that's going to be exactly what's needed to get through those rough spots early on as a rookie and as a second-year guy. There's work to be done. He'll have to learn to get the ball out a little bit quicker and have to readjust his mindset a little bit to learn how to let the rest of the park parts work. It's for good and for bad. He tried to do just about everything by himself. But the abilities are there to work with. I mean, he's not exactly a hero ball type, but he tends to go for the spectacular when just a pedestrian will do. That can be changed. And it's not like he had to do it all by himself at North Carolina. And he took a lot of big shots doing it. That can be changed. But now he's got to adjust because at North Carolina, the system was set up for running backs to run through wide open holes and gain big yards and make big plays, which set up the big shots down the field and Howell was able to make them. So there is going to have to be an adjustment period of their period there. The other problem that nobody seems to like, and this, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder. He doesn't look right. I mean, he's just—he's not tall. He's kind of a, built like a running back, and he's not the most natural of throwers. The ball just doesn't come out of his hand all pretty like like a Russell Wilson or some you know someone who just throws this just gorgeous you know deep shot. He just sort of kind of muscles the ball out there. But if you can get past the aesthetics on him, just under—he's—he's. He's guy who just knows how to get the job done and and there's a big chance I I think everyone's totally whiffing on this guy he might be the most productive offensive player in this draft if everything works out again he doesn't look the quarterback apart and yeah you can nitpick his game to his technique to death but just kind of blow all that off you know there's a big bust potential here I realize that my number three quarterback is going to be way higher than Ritter and Corral but he's worth the potential for a value spot late in the second round. I think he goes in the second round. I think someone thinks about him in the end of the first. I would not be shocked if he goes in the first round, but considering the way everyone's been talking about him and the buzz, I kind of think, and with the rise of Ritter and with Corral there, I think uh, Sam Howell, my number three guy, goes late second round, maybe even early third round. The number two guy on the board and this is another guy where the, the opinions are starting to vary all over the place. It's Kenny Pickett, 6'3", 217 pounds. The ability and the tools are there to be a rock-solid, restaurant-quality NFL starter for a long time. 
and it starts with his experience. He's he was there for like ten years. I mean, he threw to Larry Fitzgerald. He was there so long. He's he's just been through it all. And the strange part about him is, and it's nobody really wants to come out and say it because it's the wrong comp. And so forgive me for even saying this because it's just not right. And forgive me because I actually thought the guy I'm going to comp him to is not going to be all that great. There's a Joe Burrow thing happening here. He No, he's not Joe Burrow. He didn't do what Burrow did at LSU with winning the national championship and have that all-time great season. But in the same sort of way, Burrow just went from being just a guy who, had he come out early, would have been probably a fifth-round pick to this be-all-end-all number one overall draft pick guy. And he didn't really have the tools. It gets lost in the the analysis after everything that happened over the last couple of years, but Coming out, Burrow, he looked good, and everyone liked him because of the production, but the knock on him was he didn't have this big giant arm, and you know he, he kind of had the one, he was a one-year wonder, and all these things that are sort of being knocked on with Pickett right now. And again, the, the, the ability and the tools are there, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I know this is the wrong, I don't like comps, they're lazy, I'm going to keep comping again here with a couple with my last guy too, but it's kind of the same sort of thing that someone out there, nobody wants to say, oh, this is another Joe Burrow because it's just not fair, but there are teams out there that think, yeah, maybe this guy could be this. Because, again, he went from just being okay to all of a sudden throwing for 4,300 yards and 42 touchdowns and being a Heisman caliber guy and carrying Pitt to the ACC championship. It just all of a sudden the light went on. And this happens for some of these guys. We forget that they're they're still college kids. They're still learning. And sometimes when a guy hangs around as long as a Kenny Pickett or a Joe Burrow does – then everything just slows to a dead stop and they just see everything better and they turn into a quarterback. That's why sometimes scouts really want these guys to stay in school, even though it doesn't make business sense or financial sense for these guys. Football-wise, yeah, it's more and more experience is starting to matter with them. So, there, it's again, it's a giant leap to go from okay to wow when it comes to some of these. And there's a negative side to that too. Pickett is, is a tough guy who absorbs a lot of hits and he's got, he's been there. He's been through all the wars, but he's got to translate his reading ability to get the ball out of hands even faster than he did last year. He was able to let plays develop down the field, and he's going to throw picks early on. And but he's got to let those other parts of the offense do the work, and he's going to be able to do that. That's where he can come in a little bit cleaner and ready to go right away than some of the other guys that were in this draft. Again, a relatively mediocre quarterback quarterbacks he's the one guy that if you started him on day one he'd probably work out a little bit better than just about everyone here but part of the again part of the problem though is it's if it's as if no one quite believes what they saw last year because he was just so meh in his first four years but don't overthink this too much he's not Trevor Lawrence as a prospect and no he's not Joe Burrow as a prospect but he's going to start, he's going to be in the league for a long time, and he's going to be more than just fine. You know, this isn't meant to be as bad as this sounds. He's not always going to be the best or most talented quarterback on the NFL field, but you can win with him. He's going to grow into the job, but again, he's also going to be ready to roll right away. He's going to be a first-round quarterback pick. I don't think he goes to Carolina at the 8. I don't think someone trades up to get to him at the 10, in the top 10 somewhere. 
But New Orleans has those picks. Uh, they just made the trade with Philadelphia. They got those two picks in the middle of the first round. They already have Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton locked up. I think I got this number wrong, so forgive me, but I think they're locked in for something like $18 million of guaranteed money this year. That's not that much. So you could bring in a picket, develop him, let him work. You have your quarterback situation set, and if he's your guy, if you're in New Orleans, you go for it. And again, there are other teams out there. Maybe, I don't think Tampa Bay is going to do it because they're going to go for the Super Bowl one more time with Tom Brady back, but maybe the Tampa Bay goes with him if he lasts later, if they try to move up. But you're going to have to move up to get him. Long-winded way of saying Kenny Pickett's going to go in the first round, and I think he's going to be a top 20 pick, if not even a top 10 pick, depending on where my number one guy goes. Malik Willis out of Liberty. Start with this. He's what you want the face of your franchise to be. He's a genuinely good guy. He's got the right personality, the coachability, and the leadership qualities to be an instant favorite among the coaches, the fans, and the locker room. And, of course, everyone wants a take-charge, kick-ass kind of field general like, you know, Matt Corral who's going to scream and yell and, you know, Sam Howell is going to kind of have that, you know, attitude going for him. But actually liking and wanting your franchise quarterback to succeed, not that the teams didn't like Corral and Howell, but that's obviously a giant plus. And in this draft, Willis, I think, has the best all-around set of tools of any quarterback in this draft. Outside of his lack of height, he's 6 feet, 219 pounds again. He's got the creativity and the mobility for the way the NFL game is being played right now. He's got a devastating burst out of the backfield. He can buy himself all the time he needs. And he's when it goes to, when it comes to his arm, if he doesn't have the best arm in the draft, he's got one of the top three. He can just throw the ball anywhere all over the field. He's never going to be your classic NFL dropback passer. It's just not his game. But he offers so much more to that to go along with the intangibles. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to grow into the role at times. But in an NFL where the big young guys can move, being built like a running back isn't necessarily a plus because, as I mentioned before, you've got big guys like Justin Herbert and Josh Allen who have the size and can run and can seem to take hits a little bit better. Take the hits a little bit better. Uh, every new quarterback, they, they got to work on their mechanics, but Willis is going to really need some tweaking. You know, he's not the most consistent of throwers, and it comes partly from his ability to get moving and the potential to make th- big things happen because he's able to make plays on the move. And you don't want to stifle his creativity or his abilities. And there's going to be a learning curve when it comes to a repetitive throwing motion when he stays in the pocket. And you're just going to have to live through it. You're going to have to live through a whole lot of negative plays as he gets more and more reps. But he's experienced. He's going to need the NFL at-bats as well as a coaching staff that can harness what he's got and what he can do. But there's a lot there. No, he's not the ideal prospect. But in this draft, if you're going to go quarterback, go with the guy who brings all the stuff. All right, so here comes the ridiculously lazy comp. And I again, I hate it when people do this, and I'm going to do it even though I'm gritting my teeth and I don't like it. The game fits Jalen Hurts, except with a bigger arm, and that's a good thing. I loved Jalen Hurts coming out of college. I love. I didn't. I, when I saw him at Alabama in that national championship game, I'm throwing worm burners all over the place. No way this guy's going to be uh, an NFL starter. And then he goes to Oklahoma, gets the passing game down to go along with the intangibles. The most one of the most likable college quarterbacks ever. That's Malik Willis. I mean, again, the likability factor matters. The explosion with the creativity, uh, the ability to lead a team, 
and the arm. If you take Jalen Hurts and added a just a howitzer of an arm, that's Willis, and that's a really good player. I still think I, I really like Jalen Hurts. I, I'm not dogging it for a comp. But again, is he the high-end number one guy that is going to change everything about the franchise? Maybe. And that's why I think I would be shocked if Carolina didn't go with him at the eighth overall pick because that's the guy who's going to change your franchise. At least you hope for that. Everyone else, Kenny Pickett, Howell, Ritter, Corral, those are just quarterbacks who are you can try and play and maybe they'll work, maybe they won't. None of them have the tools or the skills that are like, yeah, that's it. You know, that they're like a Mahomes arm or, you know, the Josh Allen size and all around skill level or the elite speed and quickness of a of a Kyler Murray. You know, a guy like Willis, he's got those wow tools that maybe he's got something there that in a little bit of time, give him a year or two, that's gonna be the guy. And again, I cannot stress this enough. Everyone's going to love him. Everyone's going to want him to succeed, and that is going to be a big, giant deal. I think he goes number eight with Carolina or to someone who trades up in the top ten to get him. And there we are, the top ten quarterbacks, the 2022 NFL Draft. You can read more about them and the NFL Draft on collegefootballnews.com. Most of the position previews are up there and flying, and I'll podcast up with a mock draft as we get closer to the big day. There's one up there now. You can check it out. Thank you so much for checking out my pretentious and inane ramblings here today. You, yeah, you, you stay handsome. And thank you so much for checking me out and for listening.